Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome to a podcast. Not only is this a podcast, but it's our journey. A journey that we hope you want to ride out with us as we intend to educate you guys, inspire, talk about past and current experiences, and to make one think to stop judging others. Most importantly, stop judging yourself based on others' views and perceptions. With that said, you'll be hearing from me, myself, Austin Kirshner, but along with our journey on this podcast will be my mother, Kathy Kirshner, and my brother, Dylan Kirshner. With that said, welcome to Silencing of Stigma. We're going back to the roots. All right, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another well, hold on a minute. Stop episode this a second. of the Science and Stigma podcast. Are you ready? Like You're just like going into We're it. We're going right into this. Okay, this is probably being recorded right now. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> um, I have a great guest today. Um, she's a special friend of mine. She's been a friend for a long time. Um, she has a story to share with us today that's going to help some people maybe answer some questions. So without any further ado, I'm going to welcome Angie. What's going Hello? on? Hello. Angie's a faithful listener on the podcast. She responds to a lot of different podcasts, sends me messages. So we appreciate that, by the way, knowing that people are listening and it's helping people. Yeah, before we get started, I got a quick story. So uh, we did a podcast yesterday. Well, you guys are going to be listening to this next week, right? No, the podcast last night's playing Sunday. Right, but this one's not going to be aired until the following week. That's correct. Okay, so yeah, we did an episode the other day, and we usually we usually talk about uh, the episode afterwards. So everybody left. My mom's on the way home, and uh, you called me. Were you still driving when you called me? Yeah, I was right down the street. Okay, she's right down the street. She's calling me, and we're talking about the podcast like we usually do. Okay, and uh, so as we're talking, you get home, right? Yes. You get to your place. You get out of your jeep. You go into the house. Continually talking to you, yes. As we're having a conversation, you get in the house and you put down your pocketbook. Now, guys, we're having a mid-conversation here. It, this is like five or five or six minutes, would you agree, that we've been talking? Oh, longer than that. I drove the whole way home. So, like 10 minutes? About 10 minutes on the phone. Great. That makes it even better. So, <laughs> we're, we're, having a, we're having a conversation about the podcast, like in-tune conversation. And all of a sudden, she says, I think I left my phone there. I said, just, just so you guys know, we're on the phone, okay? <laughs> so she's like, I think I left my phone there, and I didn't say anything right away, but I was like, this is odd. Like, she's <laughs> literally on the phone right now talking to me because now at this point, what's going through my head is, is she still in the car? Is she on Bluetooth? And she doesn't know where her phone is. And so I was like, I just let it go. And then she's like, well, it's not my pocketbook. I got to go check out in the Jeep. And then after she said that, I was like, uh, you're on the phone. And she had that ah moment, like the, <laughs> the light bulb clicked. Like she started laughing, and she's like, "I can't believe I just did that." On your I'm phone. like Austin. I'm gonna have to go out to my car and look for my phone. I think it's in the car. I can see you doing that too. That's, that's He's I, like, I, "What I, are you talking about, Mom?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so serious." I was looking in my purse. I'm talking to him on speaker, and I'm walking around looking for my phone. When I when I read that, I was picturing his face. He's like, I gotta go. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
have a ritual when I get home. I lock the front door. I put my purse. I take my phone out of my pocketbook, put it on the table, and then I put my keys in my pocketbook, and then I hang the pocketbook on the knob. And I was doing that while I was talking to you, and my ritual got interrupted because I couldn't find my phone. Jeez. <laughs> Angie, have you ever done that? No. I did, I did uh, try to back out of the garage one time, and I didn't have my foot on the brake to take it out of park, and then we were, and I called my husband and said, something's wrong with the car. I can't get it out of the garage. He goes, do you have your foot in a brake and you put it in reverse? Oh, no, that would help. <laughs> Done that already. Okay, I don't feel so bad. No. <laughs> it happens. I was engrossed in the moment talking about the podcast. I couldn't believe it. Okay. But anyway. Anyway. So Angie's here. Where do you want to start? The beginning. Okay. So it was a Thursday morning. I was at work at Metric Pollock rudder orthopedics at the time at 7 30 in the morning i'm checking people in and checking them out and the lady answers the phone says ange peewee's on the phone and she never calls him out because she just didn't know who that was and she says he said it's an emergency you need to answer it because i usually say i'll call him back so i did he says you need to go to the school you need to go to school and get Jimmy because there's been a shooting at the school. So said, for those listening, you obviously have two kids mm-hmm. at this point. You have Jimmy and Liz, right? No, Liz was. Liz yeah, was, yeah, Liz. Liz, yeah, Liz was almost five. So just for people listening, that she has two kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, so I said, okay. I said, I'll go. I said, and I, my feeling was I was just, you know, I left my drink sit there, my everything except my purse I thought I'll just go and uh, get him and make him come back to the office and file for the insurance girls (laughs) because that's what we did when he had orthodontist appointments so I said I'll be back so I'm going out the front door to get in my car and and she goes do you need where are you going I said I gotta go pick Jimmy up there's been a shooting at the school I said I'm bringing I'll be back they said do you want one of us to drive you I said no I'm fine well, I was fine because a few months before that, there was a, a guy that came into the North Hopewell, Winterstown Elementary School with that machete, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, someone just walked into the school and started shooting. So every radio station I turned, it talked about the shooting in Redline, and that there was a fatality. And I thought, okay, worst case scenario is Jimmy's a fatality because he stood up, because the type of kid he was, he stood up and took a bullet for somebody. Okay, it sucks, but that's something not necessary. you can be proud of, but it doesn't hurt as bad as what the end result was. Mm-hmm. So, And just to interrupt you, it's funny that you're saying this because I got that same phone call from Joe mm-hmm. at the park, and he's like, the cops are flying by, like, I don't know what's going on down there at the high school, and I called your work office. Mm-hmm. I actually called and spoke to whoever answered the phone and asked for you, and they said she's not here. She had to go down to the school. Yeah, so um, they said you need to go to the high school. That's where they're mm-hmm. getting signing kids out. So I got down to that little factory that's across from the high school. Um, I don't forget what it's called, but I parked there because there was nowhere to park, and you see parents and stuff everywhere. 
So I, um, I'm walking. I see people crying. So I just started crying because I had no idea. I just felt, oh, someone's lost a child today. And um, so I went in, I went to the table, and they said, who are you here to sign out? And I said, James Sheets. And they said, okay, can you step aside? All right, next thing you know, there's a tap on my shoulder, and it's my husband, and he's standing there with tears in his eyes, and there's a cop there. And they shoved us in the back of a police car. First time I was ever in there. Now, not my husband, but me. First time I was ever in the back of a police car. <laughs> and um, When you say shove, you just, just mean like get in. They open, yeah, open okay. the door. Yeah. I didn't they, they no, they didn't literally in. shove us, no. But what upset me to that point was they made us go back to the junior high. Why couldn't they have done it in a, a conference room air or something? And he was still there. The doors were still open to the cafeteria. So, I did, of course, I didn't look in. I didn't want to see it. So let me ask you this. When they put you in the police car, did you know at that point where you were going and why you were going there? Did they at least they said tell Jimmy, you that? They said Jimmy's gone. Okay, so that's all you knew at that point. The mm-hmm. whole, I mean, it's not that far of a distance, but it probably seemed forever to get from that high school to the yeah. junior high. Mm-hmm. So we got there, and they said Jimmy's gone, and then, when they took us in a little conference room or something right inside the doors and um the police the red line police chief was there um we were there and they were saying all this stuff to us about you know you know he shot the principal and then he took his own life i'm like okay so i was really upset and I said, I'm not saying, they kept questioning us about stuff, so I'm not saying nothing until my pastor's here. So um, I called down to the church, and um, the secretary answered, and I said, I need pastors. I said, Jimmy died. Well, he was in the middle of Bible class, and right away, within, I bet within five minutes, he was there. And um, sat with us through the whole thing and stuff, and they just questioned us, and then um, the one officer that, I'm grateful for the fact that I didn't have to go to identify the body. Mm-hmm. Um, officer, who is a good friend of ours, he actually was the one. He said, I know who this is and stuff. And they opened a door. He opened a door to say something to the chief of police, and just tears were rolling down his eyes. And I'm like, that just made it worse. Yep. I hate to see men cry. I can't handle that. But um, so then um, we went through all the questioning and stuff. I remember we had to run by my husband's work because um, we had to go home, but we weren't allowed in our house because the cops were there taking stuff out. They took computers, hard drives. They went through his room. They were just taking stuff out left and right. So we were at the neighbor's house. We were there, and across the road was nothing but news people, you know, filming and everything like that. But... um it was just like really disrespectful. You know, they wouldn't let us do anything. We weren't allowed in our house. Um, they left the dog out the back door, you know, and just a lot of people came and like brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws and friends and stuff. And, um, when they left us in the house, they showed, they left, they followed us in and we were allowed to get clothes to leave, but we weren't allowed there at all. So, um, we went to my mother-in-law's house, but uh, um, grief, I'm trying to think of the place. It was a grief um, counseling group that was there to help 
you know, to see us about um, Jimmy dying and stuff. And they stayed with us while my husband went and got Liz at daycare to help her tell mm-hmm. her that her brother died. And she was only five at five at the time. So um, she went with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law to their house to stay cause she, and the, with the dog. And we went and stayed at my mother-in-law's. And um, a new doctor came to see us and there. And he said, he asked me how I was doing. He said, I can't believe you're not a total wreck. I said, well, it's because of this. And I showed him my pill bottle <laughs> that the doctor prescribed me. I said, yeah, just Xanax to help, you know, get me through it. Um, but through that whole thing, I mean, I was at, obviously, I talked to Pee Wee on the phone. Um, Pee Wee and I had a funny relationship. We cried <laughs> a lot together uh, when Liz had her surgery and stuff. Oh, and, and I yeah. remember coming over there. Mm-hmm. And watching the news, just that the TV was on, it just didn't seem real. And it no. was like you were going through the motions, and we would laugh, and then we would cry. And people that would see us would think, "This is bizarre. Like this is a tragedy." And how can you laugh? And but you just go through the motions. And I you remember do. it was it was awful. Yeah, because it doesn't to me. It felt like he was at football camp or something mm-hmm. that he was away, and that he'd walk through the door at any time. I had no idea. You know, I just still, I don't think I registered. No, I really don't. Because if it wasn't for Liz, I wouldn't have probably came out of it like I did. I had to go on for her. Mm -hmm. She didn't understand. You know, she just knew she didn't have a brother no more. So. And we'll get in the stigma part of it, you know, in a little bit. But I just want to go back and touch on who Jimmy was and is still to this day um very caring like mm-hmm. to your point he would have stood up yeah um people look when tragedies like this happen people mm-hmm. look at the family and they try to dig in like what happened why was this family doing this like they look at all kinds of stuff children's services what what's the backgrounds of these families and stuff and it's just important again like I dealt with the stigma with Kyle and you did mm-hmm. you dealt with this he was a great kid mm-hmm. I mean he played baseball he was friendly he was funny I mean, we saw him the night before. Like, mm-hmm. we had no idea where his mind was. No. He had no different background or bringing up of anything different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys provided for him. These were advocates of hunting. Like, he had gun safety. I mean, we went to the mountains with you guys, camp, you know, camping and things, and they went shooting and stuff. And so people look at this, and more so now, they look at this stigma. Mm-hmm. And they never look at who the child was. Right. It's always the negative, not the positive. Mm-hmm. And how can the parents have let this happen? Right. And so I was, I was excited for you to come. I, I asked Angie, I just sent her a text and said, hey, would you be willing to talk? Um, and she said yes, and I was excited because this was one of the first tragedies that as a parent I had to deal with. I mean, obviously, Kyle was great friends with Jimmy. I mean, mm-hmm. they did a lot together, baseball. Like, that's how we met. And we became one big family. And little Liz with her Amish bonnet and things like that. Like Down here chasing yeah. the puppies. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just had this friendship. And we went and did things together. And mm-hmm. it, you guys were a normal family. Like, to know that, 
you're no different. There's and no normal. There's, there's, Don't I forget know, that. There's no normal. <laughs> but I just, before we continue on about, you know, what you're going through now and, and what you went through and the news media and the, the bumper stickers and all that stuff that we had to go through through this whole process mm-hmm. is I don't want to discount that Jimmy was a great kid. Yeah. I mean, he would have done anything for anybody. He was funny. Well, the night before, he got, I don't know what he did, but. He wasn't supposed to be on, I think at that time it was MySpace or something like that. I don't know what it was. I had no idea. I said, you're not supposed to be on a computer. I went out to eat with the girls. It was my time to go out to eat with the girls after work. And my husband was over putting a muffler on a truck. I get home. Right away, Liz is, Mom, Jimmy was on the computer. (laughs) He goes, I was not. I said, yes, you were. I was like. Who knows? But, and then I was like, yeah, they took all that, you know, they took yeah. all that stuff out. It looked like a hurricane went through our house when they were done. They just ripped stuff out of closets, out of dressers, upset mattresses. Yep. Yeah. So we went, you went to your mother-in-law's, obviously. Um, the news kept on and on and on about it. Tell us what it was like. I have another funny about you. About me? At my mother-in-law's. What did I do? Remember? (laughs) Just share it now. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to. Remember, people was bringing food and stuff over. And you're like, this is good chili. And it was Hamburg barbecue. And she was eating it like chili out of a bowl. (laughs) And I don't even like chili, so that was a compliment to everything. That was funny. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I went to my mother-in-law's and stuff and stayed there. And the next day, we were allowed back in our house. But the, the next day, actually, yeah, it was the next day, I had called um, Bergs to come. You know that I wanted to meet with them for uh, the service and stuff. So... So how did I, I, it's all blur to me. Yeah. I don't really remember all of it. I remember how hard was it to see all those people? I remember they had, um, Dr. Segro and let's not forget to mention his name. No. Um, they had his funeral at the same time they had Jimmy's. Yes. And I, I believe they did that on for a reason. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but that church was packed. Yeah. And very many kind words were said mm-hmm. to you. Um, I don't remember if the news people were outside at that they, point. They or were not. across the road um, on the bank at Tate Floors. Okay. Yeah, it was lined with news people. So tell me what your thoughts are about all those people. Like, was it comforting to see that much support from the community? It was. Um, that was a little bit of a blur, but. Um, when the kids from like the football team and stuff like that brought the football, they all signed, you know, and things like that. And I told him to stick it in, you know, the casket with him and stuff. But, um, it, it was, it was just, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a lot to go through it. Like, you know, when you see all those people coming, um, I, I just think it was, it said so much about Jimmy, the fact that right. the place was full. Yeah, and our church holds a lot of people. 
and it was still there was people still the funeral home people had to come and tell us to sit down because it was um they were still trying to get in for the service and it was they were cars were lined up up to the light there yep so we talk about stigma but people were still willing people some people understand and they came in support. And I, I will always remember I was in the very last pew in the back, how full that church was and how mm-hmm. much love was shared mm-hmm. amongst, you know, the football team. You had the baseball players there. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, it was just amazing the support that you had right at that moment. Yeah. And everybody wants to participate. It's the time mm-hmm. afterwards when all that goes away that mm-hmm. you have to move on. Yeah. And it wasn't easy for you. Um, I can't even imagine. I, I didn't want, I wanted to, when we were allowed back in the house, I wanted to right away sell the house. I wanted to move out of Redline. I didn't want to be there. Um, I wanted to move out of state, actually. Mm-hmm. And my husband just said no. So, so but, you stuck um, it out. and Stuck it out. Didn't like it, but like every... Like the first month, the only place I went was work and church. Um, because your family is your family and they grieve with you, but I would have never got through it without my church family. And I don't, I don't think people realize how strong you were through all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot, a lot lost um, with both the principal and Jimmy together mm-hmm. was a big loss for the community. Right. And you heard the negative things. I mean, every year there was so many, so much stuff in the newspaper every year. You had to relive this whole thing over and over and over again. There were the bumper stickers. It was a constant reminder to everyone. We believe in red line, I think is what the sticker said. Yeah. You know, the t-shirts and things like that. And I can't even imagine your thoughts every time you saw that. Well, that, and when they had those runs for Dr. Seagrove and stuff and, and what he did was wrong. I'm not going to, condone what Jimmy did. Um, I don't know why, because there was no letter, no nothing. So I have no closure as to why it happened or if Dr. Siegel is even the intended person. But. And that's tough too. Yeah. have no idea why. Um, He, uh, he just, um, I remember writing a letter to, well, actually, my friend wrote a letter to Dr. Seagrove's wife, and I guess someone from the family had wrote back saying, don't contact us again, we don't want nothing to do with you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, whatever. But here, probably, I'm going to say like five years after, um, my husband went to the mountains. I was home by myself, and I went down to the mailbox to get the mail, and there's a card, and it said from Mrs. Seagrove, and I was like, oh, I got sick in the stomach. I thought, uh-oh. And she was just so nice in that card. She wrote, she says, I'm sorry I didn't, wasn't ready to listen to you or forgive you. You know, it's not your fault, you know, stuff like that. She was really really and, nice about it and it took a lot and she her, says I'm as a sure, parent yep. she says i should have been more supportive but, but. she was living a tragedy she yes. was angry 
she didn't understand why. Right. And, and like, I get her feeling too. Mm-hmm. And through the whole process though, I remember you saying, I feel sorry for them too. Like, what can I do? Yeah. And we talked about what can we do to make it up to that family? And we can't like, this yeah. was Jimmy's choice. Right. For whatever reason. And to this day, I'm always looking and I think about this a lot um, with Jimmy because I knew Jimmy as a, as a child and it's hard for me to comprehend mm-hmm. like, is there any reason why he would do this? And yes, there was different scenarios with the, the girl or whatever. But mm-hmm. I came to the conclusion once that is it possible because of all his football concussions yep. that that could possibly have been something mm-hmm. that triggered that? Because the more we study the NFL football players mm-hmm. and the trauma and the depression, and they're actually doing similar things because of all the concussions. Jimmy had how many concussions? Probably like six. And so I just take comfort in reading and researching that stuff and Mm -hmm. thinking this could possibly be, it's not an excuse, but if, if that could be the reason Mm -hmm. it would be so much more understanding and, and maybe put some of this to rest for people. Yeah. Um, because like you said, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And, And for her to send that letter, like means a lot for her too because they're grieving and as as we're saying you're looking at the bumper stickers and your family's affected it's a flashback to them too mm-hmm. you know what i mean like yeah. the anger i get it right i would be angry too like you took somebody i don't understand why but it's not your you didn't choose to do that it doesn't right. mean that you're a bad parent because your son did that right you know there's so many people in jail for murder and things like that but it's their choice. Yeah. And I, I always respected you for putting your head out there in the community and continuing your life, regardless of what people said, you just kept continuing on. He was actually scheduled the next day to go to counseling through Wellspan. Okay. There behind where the prison, mm-hmm. have, I stopped and got his paperwork to fill it out. Cause it's like a book. <laughs> so I was filling this paperwork out and I signed where it said sign and I took it back before. So they'd have all that ready and mm-hmm. it wouldn't take so long. And they ripped up every page I had my signature on. And I said, why'd you do that? In the state of Pennsylvania, a 14 year old is responsible for their own mental health. Wow. Yeah. So I could have took him at next day and he could have, said, no, I'm not doing this. And I couldn't have done nothing about it. Well, that's new. Yeah, I didn't know that's that. interesting. 14-year-old in the state of Pennsylvania is responsible for their own mental health. That's what they told me. That's interesting because we talk about depression and things like that. And I go back to the T.O. story. He was mm-hmm. two years old, so I'm sure you heard that because you listened to all the podcasts. Like, depression and mental health issues can start that young. Oh, yeah. And it continues and it's continuing today and it's mm-hmm. affecting more and more people today. Mm-hmm. So that that's interesting. 14 years old. So they're still a minor, but they are mature enough at that age to make a decision on their mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, of course, my friend, I that that day I had called back to the office and told them, grab my purse, grab or not my purse, my, my work bag, everything, and bring it home with you. Um, I won't be coming back for a while. And she goes, what's the matter? I said, and her girls were really close to Jimmy, and I said, Jimmy, Jimmy's gone. Well, she screamed, bawled, 
and she, the office manager came out of her office and took the phone and said, what's the matter? And I told her, and she went and got doctors. He was in the office that day and said, look, he said, go put a note on the door and stuff. We're, you know, we're done office hours for the day. And they brought um, counselors over from Wellspan to deal with the office staff because Jimmy was always there. Mm -hmm. It was a real small family-oriented I was very yeah. blessed to be working for them when this happened. Yeah. So so it's good to hear we did have some support. I know the school mm -hmm. district gave um, some counseling to the students, to the family. There were several different things that happened down at the high school. Um, we attended some of that stuff. But it doesn't get any better. So how many years has it been? This April will be 18. And I remember vividly what I was doing and where I was at, what I was wearing. Because there's, like, tons of newspaper articles that I have. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember, in fact, just maybe five years ago, I had two, I think, 18-gallon totes with cards in from people. Mexico, Cal people I never even heard mm -hmm. of because it was all over the news. Yeah. I mean, every day the for like two weeks the mail person would have to bring the mail up to us because they wouldn't fit in the mailbox so did you have any experiences in the public or not even necessarily in the public where someone confronted you and was combative towards you no. because of a situation the situation no hmm. my actually um my husband did he was towing a car i don't even know how long ago it was I mean, after how long after he was towing a car for my brother-in-law and the person who had broke down and um, he said, um, this guy said, hey, yeah, did you hear about that kid that shot the principal at Redline stuff? He goes, yeah, that was my son. I said, that guy shut up real fast. Yep. And I did hear when I went back to work, they were doing um, depositions at the office. So they had attorneys and stuff there. And I was working at the in the conference room at the time and um, the videographer and uh, the attorney were sitting in there talking when I was moving back in there to work, my charts and stuff. And um, they were talking about it. And uh, they looked at me and said, did you hear about that? And I said, that was my son. Well, they, the tears in their eyes and they said, I am so sorry. They didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. You know, people talk without thinking. Not that they were being mean or anything, but they just were talking about it. You just don't know. Yeah. No. You don't know who you're talking. Did you feel like you needed to defend Jimmy? No. When those situations, did you ever not say anything? You heard people talking and just chose to be silent and not say anything. Yes. I'm, I, if I hear people, I don't, I don't say anything because again, I miss him every day. I think about him every day. But what he did was wrong. And I can't condone that. And I don't want to say but, because that sounds like you're trying to make an excuse for him. But, you know, my feeling is, okay, like some of his friends went down the wrong path after that happened. Like Kyle, you know, and stuff like that. They went down the wrong path, and I always felt guilty about that. I felt it was Jimmy's fault. If Jimmy wouldn't have done what he did, 
Kyle might not have done taken that path. And I feel like it's Jimmy's fault. So I'm going to get emotional because <laughs> I'm just going to share a story like I don't even remember. I st- oh, I know why. I stopped over to see your first grandson mm-hmm. from a meeting. I was at a meeting. Yep. And I stopped by. And, and like I said earlier, Pee-wee and I had a really different relationship. Like, we were best <laughs> friends. I mean, we cried together. We laughed together. Um, even through the whole thing when it first happened, I remember that he gave me a call on my phone mm-hmm. and said, you know what, I need to talk to somebody. And so me and Pee-wee, I mean, obviously that's how I got over to the to your grandparents. But um, so this is the first time that we actually had time to really talk. Mm-hmm. And Pee-wee had tears in his eyes. Oh. And he apologized to me. I'm going to get emotional. And he apologized to me. And I said, why are you apologizing? And he said, if Jimmy wouldn't have did what he did, Kyle probably would not have done what he did. And that's what we feel. And that's a hard thing to carry. Mm -hmm. And you guys carry it. And I never once ever said, you know what? Kyle did this because of Jimmy. Did Kyle talk about Jimmy sometimes? Absolutely, I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. He he would bring him up when Carl got in trouble one time. He looked at me and he said, "Gosh," he said, "Remember what Jimmy did?" And I said, "Where's this coming from? Like, where's this coming from?" Mm-hmm. You know. But never once, ever, did I think through this whole thing that I could blame you. Mm-hmm. I could blame Jimmy because there were so many things that happened in these kids' lives. Mm-hmm. That you can't, they were offered help. We didn't know the magnitude of some of them suffering, Mm -hmm. but they all made their choices. Kyle made a choice. If he would have came to me and said, I can't do this anymore, I'm struggling, like what I saw at that junior high all those years ago, like it messed me up. Mm -hmm. We could have talked about it and we got help. We could have got help. But through learning from Tio and Dom, these kids just did this. They didn't do it. At first, I thought Kyle was doing it because he was depressed in his bedroom. I later learned that they did this recreational. So they didn't go do this recreational because they were upset about something. They chose this path. Right. And I'll never forget when I looked at Pee Wee that night and said, this is not your fault. This is not Angie's fault. This is not Jimmy's fault. This is Kyle's fault. Yeah. Just like what Jimmy did was Jimmy's fault. It mm-hmm. wasn't your fault. It wasn't Pee Wee's fault. There's nothing that we could do to change what happened because they made that choice right so i i mean i get emotional because i never want anybody to think and i don't want you and peewee to think that all these kids that are making these choices comes from that that day right because you don't know that but it's it's just as a parent though that's what you feel yep and like i said to liz a lot of times she's like why are you so hard on me about stuff i said well Wait till you're a parent. Wait till you're a parent. Now it's like, hmm. Yeah. It's hard. We raise our kids the best we can. I mean, my grandson's in the room right now sleeping. And he's so cute. And you love him. And you, you can, do the best you can. Mm-hmm. You don't, They don't come with a book. And, no. you know, we're getting a little off topic now. But I just, I just wanted to tell that story. Like, we do not blame you. Mm-hmm. And we want you and Pee Wee to know that me personally, Kyle made his choice. Yep. Like Jimmy had all this. Um, he was a good. He was a. He was a good kid. He was a fun kid. Oh, he was hysterical. <laughs> he was hysterical. Oh. And Liz got him in trouble all the time. I mean, all the time. I mean, 
we had good times together. I mean, he actually took Kyle was the quiet one, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy just, like, helped him. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the football team with all those kids and stuff, it was just, it was a good group of kids. And we can't pick the end the end for our kids. And unfortunately for both of us, it ended early. Right. For whatever reason, you know, and that's why we're doing these podcasts. We don't know why. And we just want to make sure that people understand. So you share in your story and there's, there's some questions that I know that Austin has, but I also want to go like, what, where do you go today? Like, what do you think about today? When you think of Jimmy? I wonder how tall he'd be because he was pretty tall. Um, cause he's only 14. So he wasn't done growing. Um, wonder what he'd look like. Wonder if I'd have any grandkids from him. Cause I love kids, you know, I'm a guy. I got kids at my house now that aren't mine. Um, but I just, I, I just wonder where, where would he be? What kind of job would he have? Um, would he be married? What did, what about your faith? If you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. where, where did that go? They say God gives you no more than you can handle it. Even <laughs> though I'm strong in my faith. It does make you question your faith. It does. Because there, it's like, how much do they think a person can handle? You know? Did you learn? You're the person, obviously, Austin, I talk about this a lot. We are who we are today because of what everybody is who they are today because of what's happened in their past. Right. Yeah, that's what was one of the questions I was going to have. Okay, go ahead. So, like, the experience you had with your own son and everything, did you feel like you could gain something out of that experience? Did you learn anything from it? Did you become a better person because of it? What was the what was the good out of that? Because, obviously, we can pick out the bad right away. Mm-hmm. But what, what, was the, what was the good out of that experience, if you had to th- say? Well, um... Did you look at life differently? I did, um... I tried to be more patient because <laughs> my patience, you know, <laughs> isn't the best sometimes, but, um, I tried to be more understanding and patient with people and, um, tried to watch what I said before I say it. Cause I'm sure sometimes I think to myself, you know, when you're in the heat of anger, I'd say something to Jimmy and I'll be like, well, maybe that's why he did it. Cause I wasn't a good mom. You know, you say stuff and you shouldn't. So you try to, well, maybe I should have not said something like that. It made, it did, it made me look at life like you live every day like it's your last because you never know when your time is up. I could go out here right now and pull out and be gone. Yeah, I know um, it was like nine months after Jimmy did what he did. Um, I was on a, a downward path. Like, I was, like, drank alcohol every night. Not beer, nothing. It was hard alcohol every night instead of... And um, I went out one time with a friend, and she wanted me to spend the night because I was in no way, shape, or form able to drive. And I said, no. I'm going home. Well, how in the world did I get home? I don't know. I don't remember driving home. 
And my husband was so irate that I went and dumped all my alcohol and I haven't touched it since. I mean, I just started a little while ago with just like wine coolers and stuff, but um, I haven't touched, I never touched alcohol after that. I drank like wine coolers mm-hmm. and stuff in the summertime, some, but not regular. Not what you were doing. No. It was green alcohol, pretty much. So I'm listening to your story, and you talk about how you just mentioned how you thought you were a bad mother for the things you did. Mom, you were the same way, like experiencing Kyle's death. You guys, why do you guys put yourself in a, in a place where you're like, this was my fault? Why do you all of a sudden think, oh, maybe if I would have done this a certain way, this wouldn't happen? Why do you guys think that way? Why do you want to take the blame for the things that happened? Well, I think a lot of people do that, not even just mothers with their children. Mm-hmm. You just don't understand. Like, I could have did something. And it's hard to explain to someone who isn't a parent the love that you have for your kids. I mean, I had Tori and Dylan sitting here. Tori and Dylan sitting here with us, and they're brand new parents. It's different, right? I mean, they don't have microphones, but it, it's a lot different. The feeling that you don't, you can't even imagine that you could love something or somebody as much as you love your kids. Mm-hmm. And so Austin's never going to understand that. And the first thing that you're going to do is, as a parent, is protect your children. Like mm-hmm. these two, Dylan, is it true to say you would do anything to save him? Nope. And you didn't know that before this. But you didn't realize, but is there a different connection with your son? And so you would do anything for your kids. And when that happens, the first thing you're going to do is this is my fault. Mm -hmm. But it isn't even death. I mean, Angie and I are a lot alike. Mm -hmm. She does everything for everybody. I mean, she even offered to, I didn't tell anybody this, but she sent me a text this morning. (laughs) said, do you you want me to bring cake? And then I said, what about whipped cream? I said, no. So Angie and I go to a a girls' night out once a month with a couple other friends, and they get their cake and stuff. And so I will just openly say I substituted cake (laughs) with uh, extra creamy whipped cream. (laughs) Because I was going to the store. I was going to get some whipped cream for you and and bring it in. So now I eat bowls of whipped cream at nighttime. I'm pretty sure people that see me at Walmart are like, what is this lady doing with six cans of whipped cream in her car? <laughs> but um, so Angie then texted me back and said, do you need your whipped cream? So, And I just texted back and said, you don't need to bring anything but yourself because that's the type of person Angie is as well. Like we just want to give and give to people. So when we can't give, then we're going to take the blame. And no cut on the dad's at all because they grieve men grieve differently Mm -hmm. liz went to counseling um she went to olivia's house yes because we had the girl last night who was saying how wonderful olivia's house was it was absolutely wonderful um but she went to and then the parents when the kids were doing their thing the parents which was me because he never went along um were in another room talking about stuff but um there was another place that we did uh, counseling, and I can't remember what it was, but I went to counseling when he wouldn't. And I remember my sister-in-law had passed away um, from cancer, and I was in New Jersey for a funeral, and I was supposed to have a, I had, I was supposed to have a um, 
counseling session when I got back. Well, I get this phone call that it was the same place where Jimmy was going because I didn't know any other place. And um, I got this phone call, um, we need to reschedule you because it's a conflict of interest. We can't see you. We're seeing kids and people from the shooting, you know, from, so we can't see you. I'm like, I didn't understand that, but I think I got passed around to I don't know how many different counselors and had to keep retelling the story over and over before I found someone that wasn't affiliated with that. Hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. That's tough. So they were helping kids. Um, throughout this whole time. Mm-hmm. I wonder why that, well, maybe because they were listening to them and then if they listen to you, they may not right. be able to respond to either you or them in the correct way. Right. So that makes sense. It was sense. just really hard to take out because I'm like, how many times do I got to tell this story? Yep. And that, that's, that's with like any counseling, you're like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, I got to tell this story again. Like Joe and I went to the same place actually after Kyle passed away and we went the first time and you tell your story and then you go back and then you got to tell your story again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm not going to heal if I have to come here and talk about this story and tell this story over and over every time I come here. Like right. I want to learn something. I want help with this. And mm-hmm. so, I, I mean, that's what they do, though, because every counselor I've been to, you got to tell your story. Yeah. Until you find the right one that you're comfortable with. So Liz went to Olivia's house. Mm-hmm. Was there any, any time that you went out or you had to do things like this, what did Liz go through? Yeah, what was conversations like between you and her when you had to talk to her about what happened? Well, she really didn't ask a whole lot. Um, and then we were... We were at we were at someone's house for dinner, and their kids must have blurted it out about what happened. And that night we get home, and and Liz says, "Mommy, did J- Jimmy kill somebody?" And then he killed himself. And I said, "Where'd that come from?" And they said, "She she said the the kid's name," and I said, "Yes, he did." And I had to tell her, and she and it was it was really sad. He goes. She put her little hands up at her eyes and says, I'm not going to see my Jimmy no more. But from there on out, she never slept in her room. She had to sleep in his bed, in his okay. room. Because it was tough for With his T-shirts. Her. Yep. <laughs> it was tough as a family. Obviously, you lived in Redline. You're still living in that house. Um, going out in the public, I mean, because we talk about stigma. How hard was that? It was probably a month till I went anywhere but work in church. I wouldn't go to the grocery store. People went because I was afraid because of my brother-in-law having a business and stuff and people knew who we were. I was afraid of what people would say or the looks I would get. So I did not go out. I wouldn't. It was probably a month or two till I actually went to the store. Did you lose friends over this? Um, No. Nobody shied away or anything. I mean, I talk about with Kyle, like I see people in a grocery store or Walmart and they like turn the other way because they don't know what to say. Where did you experience any of that where people question your friends question, like how did this happen or no, Mm -mm. no, I didn't. um... And did Liz encounter anything? I'm obviously she did not go to Redline school district. She She was, she was actually, enrolled to go to 
Locust Grove okay. for kindergarten. And when Pastor Steve was there that day, I looked at him and I said, please open a spot. She'll never set foot in a red line school. Never. And that was best for her then. So you had, a, you had a hard feelings for the school. Yes. And so Liz was better off anyway, probably going mm-hmm. where she went to school. Right. And then the, obviously and she had no, no issues. There's no, yeah, um, past, with her being in kindergarten, I bet probably for the first six months he would get her out, maybe not even six months, he would get her out of class and for an hour, like once a week for an hour, and take her down to his office and let her talk about anything, whether it was Jimmy, whether it was about what she ate, whether it was about a cartoon, whatever. He just left her talk. Okay. And she talked. <laughs> we're, we're just, I'm just sitting here and I'm starting to, starting to laugh about something <laughs> when you talk about your church. <laughs> Remember the time Kyle <laughs> came to church with you guys? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he came home, and he was so worried that me and Joe were going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? He said he came home because, Mom, you have to start going to Angie's church because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. We don't want no. you to go to hell. He said, I'm saved, so I'm going to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> but you and Dad better go or you're going to go to hell. And we yeah. had to talk to him. It's just it's funny because they were so young and obviously yeah. Kyle didn't know what was going on and no. whatever happened at church that day. But I, it just made me laugh thinking about Kyle coming home and telling me and Joe, we needed to come to church because mm. we were going to go to hell. If we did. <laughs> no, but yeah. So I, I mean, those are just questions that I wanted to ask about, you know, and today probably people not so much. It's probably rare. I mean, it still comes up in the newspaper and it's April 24th. I'll never forget the day either. I'll never forget what I did at my office um, when that all happened. Um, but you're like, okay, what's the newspaper going to say? Mm-hmm. And, and how are we going to, you know, how are we going to address this? Um, my employer, like I wanted to go back to work the day after the funeral because I didn't want to be in that house. And they said, no, you need to take the week and just deal with things. I'm like... People kept me busy, though, because, yeah. you know, they left, wouldn't let me at the house by myself. But um, I went back to work, and instead of working the front desk, they had me working. Um, I remember um, they uh, said, because you're so in tune with the patients and have such a relationship with all the patients and stuff that, you know, they're, go- they're asking questions, mm-hmm. and we don't want you to have to deal with that. So they put me back when he wasn't in his seat. When he was seeing patients, I was at his desk. Um, I used the conference room. I used any open computer I could find. But, um, no, they were, my work was very good. Doc. I remember him saying to me when I got back to work, he says, I, the week before that, I, I'd always closed with him the nights he worked late. And he said, I went to him, I said, and I told, talked to him different because he had a, a son. And I said, do you have any advice for me? I said, because I'm about at my wit's end. He said, no. He says, I wish I could have found some advice for you. So he everybody said, starts thinking about, wow, what yeah. could I have done? Yeah. So, Austin, what other questions do you have? Um, going through the experience and all, did that change your outlook on your relationship with your daughter, Liz, at all? Did it change anything? 
I know you kind of mentioned. I think like, I'm harder on her with certain things because, and she would always say, "Mom," and I'd be like, "You don't understand," because I will never make it through losing another child. Mm-hmm. Never. So you're very cautious. Would you say? I think you did mention having Liz there. That was kind of like your savior. Yeah, because it made it. I had to go on. It wasn't yeah. fair to her for her mother to check out. Right. Because if it wouldn't have been for her, I would have probably checked out. I might be in the hospital in a yep. suit somewhere because that was, I just had to keep going. Speaking of that, like what, what kind of things did you do to keep going to get your mind off things? You, you mentioned you were talking with people a lot, keep mm-hmm. your mind off that work, obviously. Yeah. Was there anything else that you did? Like maybe the gym or anything like. Okay. Do I look Sorry. like I go to the gym? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Just had to- <laughs> That's not true. I mean, you're saying that now, but how many up and down yo-yo diets have you been on? How many oh. times have we Didn't both you guys been do Weight Watchers? Yes. We did oh. Weight Watchers. She yeah, was part did. of my Weight Watcher group. Um, yeah. I'm so don't put yourself don't down. Anymore. You were up and down. We were all up and down. The Weight Watcher thing we did together. Um, I'm still working on a goal, and Pee Wee will know what that goal is, and someday I'm going to hit that oh, goal. Oh, my God. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure I know what this goal is. And that's I'm just, not going to say um, it, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, someday I'll hit that goal. But anyway, back to Angie. <laughs> I um, Yeah, did you, like, journal, or did you write anything down, anything, like a no, hobby or anything like that? No. Um, no, because Liz kept me very busy at night and keeping up with the house and work church i was pretty much you know because i went to the christian school too and i graduated from there so it was very hard when you get out of there because you as a child you were there five days a week for school you were there sunday morning sunday night wednesday night for church because my mom made me go and then saturday nights was youth group so you were there seven days a week okay and not proud of it but when you graduate, you sort of slack. <laughs> I didn't sort of slack. I slacked. And you get away from it. Well, that just made me go even more. So let me ask this question. I don't know if you remember. What were the first words that your pastor said to you? About what? When he got when to he, the when high he, school? Yeah. When he saw you. I'm not sure. Uh, I remember him giving me a hug. I don't... What words did he give you afterwards that comforted you? Do you know? He's in a better place. Okay. Do you believe that? Yes. My thing is, because I have no closure, I like to think that God took him because... Maybe he was headed, going to head down, maybe he knew he was heading down the wrong path. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's why this, I I don't know. So I just try to think of things that make me feel better. Well, this goes back to Austin's question. What positive came out of this? Because we we can easily find the negatives Mm -hmm. and we do that. But through this, what positive thing do you think came out of it in your life? And you are what you are today because of it. I mean, she did mention some earlier. Yeah, is there like an aha, like, like so for for example, like my passion right now is doing what I'm doing right now, and I yeah. do this because Kyle's 
Kyle's situation mm-hmm. and how I handled that drove me to this. Well, see, I wanted, I really wanted to, um, there was um, a school resource officer at, that um, I knew that was at Votech, and he went to our church. And I really, he tried getting me in there because I wanted to go around to the schools and talk about it. Because before, Jimmy, you never really heard anyone talk about suicide. Right. You know, you just didn't hear about it. Now it's like all over the place, whether it be suicide by, you know, gun, drugs, whatever it be. Um, You just never heard about it. And I wanted to get, my passion is, I would love to go out and speak in schools about it and tell my story from a parent's viewpoint and what it puts the family through. And I think that's key because we're talking about what Jimmy did. We keep saying what Jimmy did. Jimmy shot the principal. Jimmy also committed suicide. Yes. And so he shot when himself. we talk about that, you know, what he did, he took another person's life and we don't know why. But right. to your point, to go out and talk, we're talking about what Jimmy did, but Jimmy, Jimmy committed suicide mm-hmm. and, and there's kids today that are doing it. And like mm-hmm. you said, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so if that's your passion, like... I would just, but the schools won't wouldn't allow it because of the mental health issue part of it, or because of the stigma behind. I don't the, know your story. Because he tried, he tried getting me, and now he's not an officer anymore. He retired, but he tried getting me at the schools would not allow me to come in. Interesting. So there's youth groups and things. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's your passion. I'm just wondering like where we can help you find, because for me, this is my passion. This Mm -hmm. makes me want to go on. This is making me laugh. You know, I call the kids like, I don't even know why I'm laughing because now I'm doing something that helps me. Mm -hmm. And if that's your passion, I just think that we should find something Mm -hmm. that you, you can talk about. Even if it's this podcast, we don't have to talk about your story. You can talk to the people because they're listening to us. Right about suicide and Mm -hmm. and kids and your story as far as that is very interesting um we have another person that i wanted to reach out to also um that his son committed suicide and so jimmy's story is different but in the end you just nailed it you just said it it's mental health and it's suicide yeah um i know there was another um young man in uh red line that committed suicide uh Behind Nitschke Field, and his, yeah, his had, I think, had to do with concussions, and I really think that's what his was, too. Yeah, it's just, I mean, mental health, as mm-hmm. young as it is, two years old, Yeah, you know, that we don't, we don't address, we still don't address. I mean, I just saw on Facebook the other night, uh, a friend just put, like, what is it going to take to get help? Like, how many times do we have to 302 somebody before they're going to step in like and and they keep saying well he didn't harm himself he didn't harm anybody why are we waiting until they harm themselves or harm someone before we get these people help and we're learning through this podcast that i had no idea how serious mental health issues are right now like everybody that we talk to goes back to at some point or another some type of mental health issue that Mm -hmm. they that they were dealing with and how do we get kids to talk about it like at first they have to acknowledge it themselves at first recognize they have the the issue because mm-hmm. a lot of people like stigma yeah they don't want to commit to it they don't want to 
uh, admit to their, their problems because of the stigma. And I, I know someone like that right now who needs help. Yeah. And he refuses to admit it. I was, I was thinking about the whole addiction thing um, earlier today while I was working out. And uh, it, it's based off uh, what I heard on a different podcast. And they were talking about Hitler. And this, this guy's a Christian. And he was saying the his co-hosts were asking him, hey, if Hitler came back and you could you could take him away or kill him before he did what he did to the Jews, would you do it? He said, no, I wouldn't. And it goes back to the addiction as well as because if you think about it, Hitler was so strong with his, his speeches and he could he could get control of a whole group of people. Now think about it. He, he used that for the bad. If he could flip that and use it for the good, think about how strong of a speaker he would have been to, to gain the, the audience and get, make them do inspiring things. The same with addiction. You have an addictive personality. Don't take the bad route. Don't, don't go down that. And if you did, think about it, what you could do if you could take that addiction and apply it to something good. Because you're going to go so much farther than someone that's never been down that path. Because I see people with mental health and, and uh, addictions, they're, they're strong people. They just don't know. All they have to do is flip it into something good and they can just apply like they would to the to their drugs to something that's good in life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people do with the gym because they're relating that that high to a, a good thing versus a bad thing. So these people are strong people if they realize that they can provide good in the world instead of doing what they're doing. And that's anybody, not even people addicted. Like pick, you know... Do the best you can. Think about yourself. Take care of yourself. Go to the gym or whatever's your passion. Do it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's going to help your mental health. I mean, my mental health is in Shade Gap, the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Like that that's, helps, yeah. I'm telling you, that is like the best sleep you can get up there. Yeah. You just got to <laughs> find love it. the mountains. You got to find what your mental health, where you can go, where you can put yourself and clear your mind meditation i can't do I, i'm pretty sure i've never tried it but i don't know that i can be quiet for that long <laughs> and not think Me about either. anything but if i'm quiet that long i'm sleeping yep but um i've never encountered anyone mean to me saying anything that i can remember um that's good. But, like your family is your family. Yep. Um, and they grieve with you. But if it wasn't for my church, family, and my work family, I don't think it would have ever, I mean, I would have got through it because of Liz, but it wouldn't have been the same. Okay. Anything else? Not that I can think of. You guys have any questions? So what's our takeaway? What do you want people to get out of this? Stay, like, um, what, I, I, I myself wonder if there were signs that I would have picked up on. You know, um, stay in tune with your kids and their electronics because I, w- I didn't have a clue and I still mm-hmm. don't have a clue on any of that stay in tune with how much time they spend on their computers and things like that because i think a lot of times social media has a lot to do with it too 
Um, and you hear that like yeah. other, other s- school shootings or, or even today, not even school shootings. Like when people do things like mm-hmm. that bomb in Tennessee, like they get so much information off of the computers. Yeah. The access is just crazy. You can yeah. learn and do anything. And on even the to this day, I don't know what I'm doing with it, <laughs> but I don't seriously, but I, um, encourage people to, to stay in tune with their kids and their electronics and, and monitor their Facebook, their whatever, TikToks or whatever the heck they're doing. You know, I don't know anything about that either, but Snapchat, whatever the heck they do. Because look for signs if you think there's something going on. Talk to your kids because I had no clue. There was no signs, no clue that I ever picked up on. None. Yeah, and just the fact that, I mean, even we were with him. Yeah. And get them help if you think they need help because now you might want to go to Maryland or something like that because in the state of Pennsylvania, a 14-year-old is responsible for their own mental health. You know, go somewhere where you, you can tell them they have to talk to somebody, you know. And be an know. advocate for yourself and your family. If, yeah. if something's wrong, don't let it go. And don't, if, if you're dealing with something with a school, do not. Don't just do the phone call. Show up. Because I didn't. I, sh- I feel maybe sometimes if I would have just went to the school and showed up and raised a little cane about it, maybe it would have been different. Show up. Be Get in their face. Because you pay taxes for a reason. They're supposed to be, your kids are their responsibility when they get on that school bus. And sometimes I think it's education. Home them as well like mm-hmm. the, the teachers and the receptionists and things like that it just comes down to education because there's so many different things and there's so many different kids coming into school now with different backgrounds that there's so uh. much that they have to watch for child abuse you know they look mm-hmm. for all those signs and it's overwhelming I'm not making excuses for anybody but I think that education is key and mm-hmm. it's education is not even like to your point, mental health issues yeah. in kids, especially once this COVID's over and people are back oh. to school. I mean, you you just know now that the suicides, these issues, child abuse and things are going rampant right now because they're not in the schools and the teachers aren't noticing it. So if we're looking as teachers to notice the bruises. Well, look at that waitress that had to notice it on that, that kid mm-hmm. that wasn't eating. Yep. So we just need to be aware and, and maybe sometimes when we're in daycares, teachers, schools, whatever, don't just look for the outward physical abuse. If something doesn't seem right with someone. If they're not being themselves, yep, if, if they're withdrawn. If something's disturbing and you're picking up on it, or even if you get that gut feeling, it's worth the attempt to just say, hey, and try to talk to them. Don't mm-hmm. look for just physical abuse, but look for the mental because it's happening now. It's, there's so much that kids are going through and that they're, like you said, the Facebook and things like that, the computer's exposing them to so many things mm-hmm. that they didn't expose them to in the past. Good. Yeah, like, for instance, my 10-month-old grandson, well, he's going to be 10 months old, he sees a phone, he knows what that is. He screams if you don't give him a phone to play with. 
Oh yeah, well you go to a re- well you can't really go to restaurants but right now, I, but COVID, I laid, yeah. I before COVID, how many restaurants do we go? And I mean, you and I go to restaurants. We're going mm-hmm. this week to another restaurant, but where you sit, you look around, and all the little ones have these iPads and stuff at the yeah. table. Nobody's talking. Everybody's heads are down to their phone, and even yeah. these young ones are You're watching cartoons on to, there. Yeah, they know how to hit the buttons and everything. They can't even talk yet, but they know how to get this cartoon on their on their little laptop thing there. So. Yeah, just yeah. your kids are a precious gift. Don't ever take them for granted. That's true. And you love your kids, but grandkids are a totally different love. <laughs> totally different. Because yeah. actually they do no wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Until they do. <laughs> Understood. Yep. Anything else? Nope. Okay, well, thanks, Ange. It wasn't so bad, right? <laughs> we didn't even need our tissues. Nope. <laughs> well, thank you um, for those listening. If there's anything that you want to talk about or reach out to, Angie obviously doesn't do much on the Facebook or anything like that, but if there's comments or anything, you can put it on our page, on our Facebook group. Um, we'll definitely get it to Angie. Um, we appreciate you sharing. I know it's not easy to share, especially a situation that's been so publicized in the community um, that we live in. So thank you. I appreciate it. Welcome. And we're good friends and we'll always be good friends. So mm-hmm. thanks Angie. Yep. Thanks. thanks. All right, guys, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>